We went to Legoland a couple of weeks ago. We got in line for one of the rides, one of the roller coasters. In front of us, in line, was my daughter's kindergarten teacher from last year. And she was with her whole family. We were there, including the teacher, because it was a school district event. So it wasn't odd that she would be there. But this was the first time my daughter had seen her teacher or any of her teachers outside of a school context. It might have been one of the most uncomfortable 20 minutes of my daughter's life, waiting in line next to her former teacher. Heather, let me ask you this. Do you think that's how Levi was feeling with the mix of Jesus, Pharisees, and tax collectors at his party? No. Hello, Saddleback family. I'm James Browning. Thank you for joining us for week two of One Life. Week two is all about building friendships. And joining me here today is my good friend, Heather Kova. Hi, Heather. Hi, James. And hi to all of our host friends listening. How has your week been? How is your small group doing? Don't forget that you can share your One Life story with us by calling 949-609-8199 and leaving us a message. We can't wait to hear your story or a great story from someone in your group. And speaking of stories in groups, let's get right into this week's group message. This week, the story comes from Luke 5, verses 27 through 32. Don't forget to read out loud the passage each week to get the most out of it. And don't be afraid to read the entire chapter to get as much context as you can. So let's jump into this week's passage. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. For our English-speaking host, GROUP is an acronym. The G stands for gather. The R stands for read. And now we are to the O. Ask your group to spend a moment on their own, making their own observations gathering their own insights and coming up with their own questions. Then share those with the group. James, what is something that you observed? So I'm going to have to admit that I cheated this week. I knew we were going to be doing this podcast, so I started thinking about it earlier than just right now when we read it. And I wound up having a question. I knew that Levi was a tax collector, and I knew that tax collectors were disliked. But I wanted to know why. Were the Roman taxes just especially onerous? I had heard that the tax collectors cheated, but I didn't know how. So I went academic and looked it up. But actually not that academic because I just looked up Roman taxes on Wikipedia. Turns out that's pretty easy to find. I learned a couple of things. First, Levi was probably pretty young here. Probably somewhere between 18 and maybe 30 at the most. I was mentally picturing something like an IRS agent, like mid-50s, crooked tie with lunch stains on it, not some kid. This definitely changed the tone of the party for me mentally, because a party thrown by a 20-year-old with money is way different than a party thrown by a middle-aged accountant. 
The second thing I learned was exactly how the Roman tax system worked. They used a system in their provinces known as tax farming. Basically, they would take a census, like the one that was done during the birth of Jesus, and assess how many people were in a given area and what the area's GDP was, and then get a number for the amount of taxes that needed to be collected for that area, basically per person. They would then contract out the collection of those taxes to independent freelance collectors. They weren't directly employed by the Roman government, was not kind of any official system. They were just contractors. And these contractors would bid for the chance to be the area collector. Of course, the highest bidder would win the contract. So they were literally paying to collect the taxes. Now, obviously, they were planning on making up that money somewhere, and it's going to have to be from the people that they're collecting taxes from. So when the tax collector came to you and said you owed the government money, the amount he was asking for was not necessarily the correct amount. In fact, it was most likely not the correct amount, unless you happen to be buddies with the tax collector and could cheat the system. Everyone else was getting scammed. Now, a savvy taxpayer could negotiate down their rate to maybe something that was a little more accurate, uh, either through shrewd haggling or more likely by getting shaken down for goods or services or something like that. But uh, some like rube or country bumpkin who didn't know any better would just get scammed. They'd just pay it. So when the Pharisees saw Jesus hanging out with Levi and his friends at this party, they assumed that there was two possible reasons. Remember, this is early in Jesus' ministry. He had just called his disciples. Levi was brand new to the party here. And so they assumed that either Jesus was palling around with these scammers in order to get rich or not pay his taxes, or Jesus didn't know any better and was an idiot. He was getting scammed. So when they asked the question, why do you eat and drink with sinners? It was a genuine question. It was a real question like, Jesus, like, are you getting ripped off right now or are you part of this? And that's why Jesus' answer seemed so different from what they were thinking. Jesus was here because these guys who had actively ripped off and scammed everyone else in town uh, because they needed to save. They were the reason that Jesus came. And just like we talked about last week, our job is to invite them to Jesus and celebrate when we are all united. So how can you as a host apply this passage to your own life? How can your group apply this passage as a whole? And how can you help each other apply your observation to connect with your one life? So fill in the blank on your journal with the answer to the three big questions of the week. What do you think Jesus is calling you to do through this passage? I definitely want you to think very practically in these cases. This isn't some spiritual philosophy of relationships, so you might need to change your heart or mindset. But what can your group actually do this week to connect with someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? One potential idea is to spend some group time writing notes or letters to your friends. Even emails are a good idea. The vast majority of my emails are work-related or trying to get me to buy something. I never get any fun just saying hi emails, like when we were younger. Well, I send memes and jokes to my wife sometimes. <laughs> Great. Send some to your one life and have your group pray over that meme or joke. Or better yet, 
Send them an invitation to a party hosted by your small group. Consider throwing a barbecue with the intent of building friendships and relationships. People are looking for low maintenance friends. We can be that. And while you're praying over each other's notes, ask God for help in what could feel like a big challenge, building a friendship with someone who has a life as busy and as full as yours, but who might not share your core value of Jesus. And pray for our big group, our church, as Saddleback joins you in reaching out to those lives on our street and at our work. And for the members of your group who might not yet have a one life, pray that God would bring someone to them and present the opportunity to invite them to the party. And as a group, let's celebrate how God is answering our prayers for help. We want to hear from you. We are celebrating with you every time God changes the life of someone you know. And we want to know about it all month long. We want you to share your one life story with us by calling 949-609-8199 and leaving a message. We will also put the number in the show notes. But again, it is 949-609-8199. We want to feature your story on some bonus episodes of this podcast series and share it with the rest of the Saddleback family. It doesn't have to be a long or detailed story. Just call us and leave a quick message. Think of it as RSVPing to the party. Remember, every time that one life was found, there was a party. Thanks for coming and celebrating with us.